1: Nowadays, anyone can be famous. It's not that hard. With luck and algorithm on your side, you can go from posting selfies on Instagram to posting sponsored content. Hashtag paid ad.
0: Usually, a moment of virality has to happen. And that's basically what happened. I posted a video and it, like, literally, my notifications and not stop buzzing.
1: This is Baus. He went from being a digital marketing consultant to a viral comedian on TikTok.
0: That virality is something that I think marketers already know how to achieve. And virality is done via consistency first. So basically on TikTok, you will need to post frequently first so that the algorithm acknowledges you as, okay, this is an actual account that will post frequently, so therefore this account has clear value contribution to our platform because people watch their stuff. Once they see that, oh, okay, let's try to serve more views to, to video number 15 that they posted, that's when the virality happens.
1: He It's spouse, has 55,000 followers on TikTok, and his videos get up to 500,000 views. Now, Baos is using his platform for something else as well. He's using it to bolster the campaign of his presidential candidate in the 2022 elections. Hello, I'm Jonathan Ong, disinformation researcher and professor at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, and Harvard University.
2: And I'm Kat Ventura, a journalist and executive producer at Puma Podcast.
1: In this podcast, we take you deep into the shadowy world of political campaigns, paid trolls, and disinformation networks in the Philippines. This is Catch Me If You Can, powered by Puma Podcast.
2: That's right, Jonathan. And this is episode two.
1: Yes, I'm so excited.
2: Yeah. I think we have a lot to unpack from the first episode. We were just talking about trolls. And now we're going to be talking about influencers. This is the second tier, tamaba.
1: Yes. So these are micro-celebrities, online celebrities, people we follow on Instagram, on TikTok, and Twitter. We like their content. They're relatable. But they can also be used for politics.
2: Yeah, they can. And that's what we're going to be talking about with Baus Rufo.
1: So hi, I am
0: Baus Rufo. I am a digital marketing consultant and content creator at the same time.
1: Baus Rufo is an LGBT comedian TikToker. He It's Baus on TikTok and he produces excellent comedy content that parodies the toxic work cultures in advertising and public relations. For this election cycle, we also observe that Baus Rufo is supporting the Lenny Robredo campaign. Lenny Robredo and also Kiko Pangilinan. He is able to tell us a little bit about how influencers are used for brands, but also for political campaigns.
0: Usually, a moment of virality has to happen, and that's basically what happened. I posted the video, and it, like literally, my notifications did not stop buzzing. And that virality is something that I think marketers already know how to achieve. And virality is done via consistency first. So basically on TikTok, you will need to post frequently first so that the algorithm acknowledges you as, well. okay, this is an actual account that will post frequently. So therefore, this account has clear value contribution to our platform because people watch their stuff once they see that oh, okay let's try to serve more views to video number 15 that they posted that's when the virality happens
2: What's interesting about baos and when we had this interview with him is that he's not only an influencer he's also a digital marketing consultant
1: so parang yung background niya as an account executive, mismo yung kumakausap sa clients. He's the one who pitches strategy, designs strategy, right? Also works with a creative team. And he's also instrumental in selecting the right platforms in which corporate brands would want to be seen in to reach their customers.
2: Right. and Let's listen to what he has to say about that.
0: Influencers are served on a platter to the client. It's purely the agency's responsibility in the sense that because the agency's function as the client's set of eyes and ears in the outside world. It's up to the agency to tell the client that, hey, these are the quote unquote movers and shakers of digital space now. In terms of who are the people who can start conversations, who can drive great engagement, and that's usually how the conversation starts with the client. And then they go through several rounds of influencer name submissions. Usually, an agency needs to be needs to have like a list of three hundred people prepared in order for a client to choose about ten to twenty percent of that, So it's a, it's a very long, grueling process in terms of finalizing the list of influencers who will be part of the campaign. Sometimes the agency has some tech infrastructure to be able to look at which influencers really are performing in terms of engagement or in terms of catering to a specific audience. Or sometimes they can just be purely, you know, subjective, like from an intuitive standpoint, these are the influencers who feel fit the campaign. That's usually what happens.
2: But before we go into that, Jonathan, how do we define influencers?
1: Influencers are often referred to as digital-first personalities. So they're differentiated from traditional celebrity whom we know through the movies, through TV, right? So these are digital first personalities. Um, Often, they're ordinary internet users who eventually gained a large following on social media through different posts, funny visuals and memes, but also stories about their personal lives. And increasingly, influencers are able to use their influence, their clout for entrepreneurial gain. And that's why they're increasingly used as marketers and endorsers.
2: Mm-mm. But who labels them as an influencer? Or is that just something you you sort of identify as? Kasi sa totoo lang, I do have friends siguro back in college na isa siyang atleta. Tapos ngayon nakita ko na sikat na sikat sa Instagram. Marami na siyang mga followers. Tapos meron na rin siyang mga paid advertisement. Pero I know that she just started that account like everybody else, to post about her life stories, her highlights. So, in that sense, is she an influencer even without people like Baos telling her that she is one?
1: We can define them as such based on their number of followers if we want to be very quantitative about it. And, <laughs> and ibat ibang tiers yung influencers, there's the lowest tier, which we call the nano influencers. Ito yung mga 10,000 followers and below. For example, for academics, may mga academic influencers na, you know, they're not really cited very well, pero magaling talaga sila mag-TikTok, edi sumikat sila. And then there's micro-influencers. Ito yung medyo mga 50,000 followers and below. And then there is the mid-influencer, about 100,000. And then there's the mega influencer, so about five hundred thousand or a million followers. People's journey to becoming influencers could be very, very different. Some start from very humble, ordinary beginnings that they're just like really smart with using social media. But of course, some of us have access to more resources, or we have friends who are legitimate celebrities, and therefore the bakong ma post ka mataga ng friend mo na celebrity, eh masasama ka din dun sa posi nila. But what I'm hearing behind your question also is, sino ba yung magtatawag sa kanila mismo and self-identify as an influencer? Isn't it kind of tacky for you to call yourself an influencer? Or your primary profession is influencer? Would you like to hang out with such a person?
2: Yeah, yun na eh. Kasi now, alam mo na every time pupunta tayo sa coffee shop at nag-post siya at nandun ka, maraming makakita ng post na yun. <laughs> Kasi ishashare niya dun sa IG niya as a highlight of the day. But going back to the tiers that you mentioned, pati the number of followers, are you basing it off of like how advertisers would categorize these people?
1: So the industry defines... It's based on industry metrics, kung sino yung nano, micro, mid, or mega influencer. And based on these tiers, my range then yung bayad sa kanila. I personally don't know how much a micro or a nano would make from one specific post, but I'm sure Baos would. And so we should ask him.
0: So your microtonator is about 15,000. I think a mid-tier influencer will cost around 30,000 pesos. That's someone that has at least, I think, 50,000 followers on Instagram, and then it just goes up from there. The most expensive, I think, will probably get to the celebrity-level influencers already. These mainly are your celebrities, who usually are affiliated with a big network. A celebrity who currently has an ongoing teleserie or noontime show, which I think is the gold standard of a celebrity level influencer, I wouldn't be surprised if someone will charge about 200 to 300,000 pesos per post.
2: So we have an idea of who these influencers are, how much they make, how many followers they should have, but in terms of like personality, they sort of take on a persona, don't they, Jonathan?
1: I think what Bows is getting at is, especially for a political campaign, but not necessarily even for like a corporate marketing campaign, you want to make sure that you spread your message such that it becomes relevant to different demographics, right? So you want to be talking to the mommies, you want to be talking to younger people. You also want to talk to more like intellectual crowds. And therefore, yung selection mo ng influencers have to be very strategic. And let's focus it on political campaigns. So you would want to have accounts na you can see your positive messaging. Those who can talk about your accomplishments as a politician. So therefore, go to the major neutral and safe accounts. So maybe mga a mom blogger kind of account maybe even like a inspirational quotes account marami mga on twitter and on instagram diba mga wellness influencers so you might want to use them to do the positive messaging at the same time as we know diba in any campaign kailangan mo din mag-attack the Strategist will also select yung mga bitchy snarky accounts these accounts are the parody accounts the dark humor accounts or itong mga accounts na, that specialize in you know yung mga comedy bar humor
2: right yung pipintasan
1: oh, oh yung parang roast there's so many accounts like that on tiktok on twitter yeah, I'm also thinking about parody accounts like Malakanyang Events in catering services or Senora Santibañez, who has 5.6 million followers, right? 5.6 million followers, mega influencer on Facebook. So, siempre you want to in- include them also for attack ads and and attack funny humor, sarcasm kinds of posts. At the same time, you also want to assemble yung mga medyo pa-smart. Obviously, in our visual age as well, yung mga pa-sexy account. So, I like the term thirst trap influencers. Thirst
2: trap influencers. Wait, how does that work? Can you explain? Yeah? They will post something provocative and then sisingitan nila ng Campaign
1: message. Ganun? Yes, I've seen that happen. We saw this happen wow. in 2019 elections. And I can name names. And we were able to take screenshots of mga Instagram influencers. Na very sexy men. Six pack abs, eight pack abs. Tapos nasa beach, nasa holiday. Tapos big lang in relay ad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, So, so I, I actually don't think it was very effective because, you know, parang it, it looks so unorganic, diba ba? Na parang kailangan naman medyo personalize nila yung messaging. But anyway, yeah, you get what I mean.
2: Yeah, yun ngay. nga eh. And ako, siguro before we go into like the campaigns and how these are being used, I'm just curious now, don't people following these influencers... Don't they feel slighted when all of a sudden, and really shows up like he's not as hot anymore? (laughs) Tapos biglang may na politician.
1: That's a great question, Kat. So yeah, as a professor, you are much younger than me. But I'm increasingly seeing this judgment. Yung parang, I nag-sell out si influencer. I tumanggap ng bayad si influencer. To me, that judgment... It's like a generation thing. So, parang older people will tend to kind of judge that person or that account like more negatively. For young people, what I noticed lang ah, from when I talk to like my own students who are 18, 19, like in college, they see it as actually a success story. Kung tumanggap ka ng ad from a politician or a corporate brand. So, I don't know. Um, this is just my observation, and I wonder whether I, our listeners agree with this. So, Kat, I want to ask you whether you think for young people, palang these are their own idols, the influencers on Instagram, on TikTok, they're also not too far removed from these people. They tend to be ordinary people to begin with as well. So, don't you think that young people are aspiring to become them? And therefore, if they see their idol getting an endorsement, na parang o, oh, one day, baka ako din? Yeah,
2: actually, baka yun yarin, you know, aspirational. And yung, imbes na magihilahan tayo, I'm gonna try to push you up. Maybe may ganundin? But I think it's also a very thin line. Like, there are forgivable things and there are unforgivable things. Now, if you are, siguro, malakasang conviction mo about the dark days during the martial law era. If you hear your influencer, this person you're following online, say otherwise, it might leave a sour taste in your mouth. Na parang that's a non-negotiable thing for me. And I don't want to go there. So I might just cancel you out. And we've seen celebrities get canceled out because of this.
1: For sure, yeah. So cancel culture is real. And I think parang that's like a very kind of consumer activism mode of engagement. Again, we go back to discussions of ethics na parang where do people draw the line. I can see this also play out when it comes to, you know, parang people I follow on Instagram na parang ay masyado nang nagiging repetitive na parang post na lang siya ng post ng paid ad na parang, hey, I used to follow you because you were like so authentic. You were telling me about your life, about your struggles. But now, parang all you can do is to promote, yeah, a wellness brand, right? So, again, the notion of pattern, to what extent you want to continue pleasing your fans, giving them the content that they expect. Also, you yourself, I'm um, doing it for your own entrepreneurial benefits. So mahirap maging influencer I'm sure alam mo yon kat na parang kahit ako na yeah on Twitter parang I have four thousand followers but I sometimes clam up na parang oh my God I need to tweet something there's something going on
2: on influencers getting cancelled and also people sort of having non-negotiables right din sa kanilang beliefs and also drawing the line And getting turned off by the influencers themselves, this is what Baos yung first-hand experience. There was a troll who started bringing up a different conversation or skewing the conversation during a live stream. And this was his experience.
0: This was a popular strategy of theirs about six, seven months ago. I was doing a live stream and while I was watching other live streams, so usually the conversation is just like about, okay, what happened to me today? And then someone will ask, hi, who are you voting for? And then that's, that's usually like the trap, already. Right? Like, hey, I don't, who are you voting for? And then if you tell them, Lenny, and then that's when they, oh my God, Lenny kapalalom, And then they use that to just hijack the conversation with the other people in the live stream. And then use that to, to attack whoever is casting the live stream i guess this was just one tactic that i saw of how the marcos team was at work like it's another execution apart from paying influencers or commenting on existing posts already so yeah i experienced something wherein i was talking about something else and then a troll dominated the conversation and had talking points with them
1: what we heard from Baos here is a new example of what happens of influencer warfare. The trolls are actually interfering other influencers, influencers of the rival political camp, by posting negative comment during a live. We kind of know this a little bit when... For example, like a Rappler or an ABS-CBN, do a live stream, and then di ba and daming mga DDS or Marcos accounts. Pero for influencers, hindi naman mega influencer si Baos na aattack na din siya.
2: So babalik tayo dun sa campaign at kung paano ginagamit ang mga influencers. I just wonder, Jonathan, parang in your study, what is the appeal that these influencers have? Why all of a sudden are they Blocking to them and trying to get their support.
1: So, why are influencers important in political campaigns? So, influencers, first and foremost, have a degree of relatability, right? And authenticity. These are people we look up to. We kind of feel that they're friends, especially yung mga micro and nano influencers na hindi naman super sikat. And therefore, parang when they start promoting a politician, you feel that there's an alignment of values. This person whom you've trusted reinforces. Napara okay, this politician also represents shared values that you might have. So I think they're really effective in that way. At the same time, influencers are super strategic based on again the number of followers that they have. Madali sa kanilang magpatrend or magpa-viral ng particular message. One academic concept that my colleagues Alice Marwick and Becca Lewis have developed is the concept of attention hacking. Attention hacking, what does this mean? So in a very competitive social media environment, people are fighting for our attention. And influencers are super good at hacking our attention at directing our attention to focus on a specific issue or crisis or scandal. What they need to do is, you know, a little bit of coordination, like a group of 6 to 10 influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers posting the same hashtag, makikita ito ng mga followers nila and they would then do Reshare, repost, and suddenly you have a viral event. And the purpose of attention hacking ultimately is for journalists and mainstream media to pick up that story too. So suddenly the whole community or citizenry is suddenly talking about a new news agenda that was actually seeded by influencers. We actually observe attention hacking through a seeded hashtag by an anonymous influencer way back in January 2015. And the event was, if you recall, there was a failed military operation in Mamasapano in Maguindanao that resulted in the death of 44 Special Action Force personnel. And the discussion online was, Where was President Benigno Noinoy Aquino? We saw the hashtag Nasaan Ang Pangulo trend on Twitter. So what we did here in our investigation was look at who was the first poster of Nasaan Ang Pangulo. And it was an anonymous quotes account. The Bob Ong quote account or I love Bob Ong. Itong account na ito, if you look at it, puro mga inspirational quotes. Ang sabi niya, Anyare, noi noi Aquino, hashtag, nasa anang Pangulo. And then had a picture of the caskets of the personnel. And so, it was a very evocative image, and it was also retweeted by many anonymous accounts. Our suspicion is that this was a top-down strategic operation it was a group that was assembled to really see this narrative that Noynoy Noy Aquino is an absentee leader. Of course, sila nagsimula, but it's also the general public who picked it up. Diba? Parang ordinary people retweeted, hashtag nasa anang Pangulo, and eventually, it was picked up by Philippine national news media and even international news media umabot patosa BBC I would argue that local media international news media should have done more investigation na parang feeling ko may chinasunog sila dito na parang actually this looks like a real strategic operation
2: I mean if that's not proof enough diba of the kind of influence an influencer campaign has. I don't know what is. And so I guess we go back to this idea of targeted campaigning. Why politicians are subscribing to these influencers then, they say it's because of how targeted and the kind of relationship that they have built with their followers. In one of the webinars that I did listen to, they were saying Na ang mas malakas pa daw ay ang mga nano influencers. Because it's not exactly about quantity, it's more of the quality of the relationship that you have with these influencers.
0: Of course, the number of following matters, but I think it matters less now because there are far more micro nano influencers who provide way better engagements than your bigger influencers. So I think it's the engagement rate, really, that that is the main yardstick when it comes to choosing who will do well for a campaign.
1: So for me, I'm a huge fan of Makoy Dubs on Instagram and TikTok. So Makoy Dubs, another LGBTQ influencer. I love how he or they, I'm not too sure about their pronouns, but what he they would do on Instagram and TikTok would be to craft different personas, na parang etong social auntie, the social tita, and then create like a storyline around each of these personas, and then occasionally would post about an endorsement. Also would would sometimes post about a politician. But he does so in always su- such a witty and creative and unexpected way. Yung mga punchline niya, parang, yeah, sometimes you don't see it coming, but super funny lang talaga. So I would support, yeah, whatever Makoi dubs would endorse.
2: Yun ang, ang nandito, no? When we go back to how politicians are using these campaigns, definitely binabayaran sila, di ba, Jonathan?
1: Of course. And I think we need to track in the spends of politicians when it comes to influencer marketing. So this is big business and it does matter for elections because campaign finance is one important monitoring and accountability tool that should be oriented towards election integrity and fairness. So if we're seeing some politicians overspend, when it comes to their influencer marketing and their endorsements, I think that's an unfair advantage compared with other politicians. Don't you think? And what we're seeing right now is existing regulatory frameworks ng Comelec is so narrowly defined on advertising. Yung nakikita natin on TV, nakikita natin on radio or print, billboards, and as well as boosted posts on Facebook pero influencer marketing hindi kasama sa political advertising frameworks and monitoring. Some social media accounts that are run anonymously are endorsing dozens of candidates for this election cycle. Is that fair? Nagbabayad din ba ng buwis na I think there needs to be more monitoring and accountability here. And you know, Kat, that I've been monitoring this account for a while. Senora Santibañez on Facebook. This account has 5.6 million followers on Facebook alone. I haven't checked their follower accounts on other platforms. I'm sure considerable following on other platforms. So for this election cycle, ini the niya si. Sarah Duterte, Loren Legarda, Mark Villar, Joel Villanueva, JV Ejercito, Mayor Herbert. I'm sure marami pa. I think there's a party list or two. Alam mo ba ang Wi-Fi party list?
2: Ang Wi-Fi party list? No. Well,
1: well, now I know kung we you know. are. Thanks to Senora Santibanez. So, one post promoting Sarah Duterte Yielded 159,000 likes, 2,800 comments, 1,900 shares. That's a kind of reach this account has.
2: Yeah, and those are just the people who reacted to it. Diba? You know, you react. But if you scroll through it because someone liked it, you ni like see the profile. Mo, that's a different kind of reach. Din. And if we're going to base it, on what Baus said, what Bows told us earlier, celebrity level influencer will be paid about two hundred to three hundred thousand pesos per post.
1: Per post, so that's the fee that Baus had mentioned when it comes to like a celebrity level influencer. My hunch is Senora because anonymous she, hindi naman siya, you know, like a TV personality. Feeling could not naman that high, but still maybe like 100K-ish. I think there just needs to be more transparency. So I'm not asking to unmask who Senora is, but I'm asking that the politicians who had hired Senora disclose the amount that has been poured um, into the account and also to declare that in their own campaign spends. And in other election cycles, Senora Santibanez was also strategically used by Nancy Binay. So, leading up to the 2019 election, Nancy Binay was running for senator. So, prior to this campaign, Senora Santibanez was actually very anti Binay. And, diba, yung account ni Senora is very snarky and very bitchy. Diba, parang would make fun to me, like below the belt, yung humor na poking fun at the color of the skin of Nancy Binay and their family. And to me, ang hunch ko was Nancy Binay ended up paying out Senora Santibanez to essentially shut her up, right? So Senora Santibanez eventually started endorsing formally Nancy Binay. They even published like a joke book together so, to me, that is a way in which you know you recognize the power of this account to seed very controversial narratives and ba, parang viral content that poke fun at your persona, ba? As Nancy Bina, I'm sure that's super hurtful and insulting.
2: Dun din natin makikita na, you know, if you can't beat them, join them or pay them to mm-hmm. run the campaign for you. Yeah. And. Do you think it became even more successful when she had Senora on board?
1: I would like to think that it was a creative campaign. She actually embraced the fact that she had been bullied for her looks and her skin color and made that as part of her advocacy. But in a way, silenced yung criticism and owned their own persona. Diba? So they Went directly and confronted that issue head on. And obviously, the silence yung main person attacking them.
2: And you can only get that from chief architects, from chief strategists. And that's the top tier, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so next week we will actually have a very special episode that will bring us to the mastermind of political campaigns and of course disinformation campaigns these are the political strategists the political elites also economic elites who operate from the corporate boardrooms of advertising and pr firms
2: right and it's going to be a special episode because we'll be taking from the research that you've done and the interviews that you have done before jonathan
1: Yes, so we will actually listen to our own interview with a PR strategist that was enlisted for a national-level campaign back in 2016.
2: So check out that episode and follow Catch Me If You Can wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Kat Ventura.
1: And I'm Jonathan Ong. This episode was funded by Internews and powered by Puma Podcast.
2: It was produced by myself and edited by Fresh Capistrano. Follow Catch Me If You Can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, do share it with a friend.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Hi, this is Trisha from Puma Podcast. If you liked listening to Catch Me If You Can with Jonathan Ong and Kat Ventura, I think you'll be interested in another pod as well. Modus, the Farmally Con. Hosted by Lourdes Vera, the pod explores how an unknown company played a part in one of the biggest pandemic profiteering scams in the world. All five episodes of Modus at the Farmally Con are out now. Find it on your favorite podcast app.